today is Tuesday, September 15th, 2020. If you have not already heard, and I can't imagine that you wouldn't have heard, uh, my mother passed away last Wednesday, September 9th. She had been in the hospital since August 30th when she went in for a uh, an infection in her leg. She had uh, cellulitis. Well, they took care of the infection, but she the swelling never went down. Um, and then they were having issues with her uh, potassium and sodium levels. So they um, once they controlled the infection, they moved her to the cardiac unit because it was starting to affect her heart. Now, if you've been listening to if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that my mother um, survived. Uh, I shouldn't say survived. Well, she survived, but a year and a half ago, she was in the hospital, and they told us at that time that she only had about 10 days to live. So when I say she survived, she survived that uh, month and a half long hospital stay to live another year and a half uh, beyond that. So, um, But at that time, it was all about her heart valves, and they said that her heart valves were so damaged and um, that she just probably wouldn't survive much longer because her heart valve, her heart was going to give out. So, but she did, and she lasted a year and a half. And this time, um, she was in the hospital for let's see, that's one week, a week, and three days. Um, and over the weekend, the the weekend of the. 4th, 5th, and 6th of September, right, right, Labor Day weekend, I guess, um, she was starting to make a turn where she was becoming very lethargic. She was half awake and half asleep half the time, even though she wasn't on any mind-altering drugs like uh, morphine or Adderall or anything like that. Adderall, I mean, Ad, um, Ativan, you know, but that they give people for pain because she wasn't in any pain, which is a good thing, but... She wasn't on any drugs, but my sister kept reporting to us that she was, you know, through the text messages that she was um, lethargic and stuff. And um, finally, over the weekend of Labor Day weekend, um, the doctors told my sister that really there was nothing else they could do for her. And my sister decided that um, it would probably be best if she brought her home to her house and let her, you know, spend out her time you know, surrounded by family and um, in a comfortable place and not in the hospital. So she had um, lots of conversations with my mother about dying and was she scared and did she want to be in the hospital? Did she want to be at home? What, you know, what all did she want to, to occur? Because my mother was still with it. She still had her brain and she was still with it. She just was sleeping a lot. So my sister found out a lot of information about what she wanted and um, decided that the day after Labor Day, or no, it was going to be Wednesday the 9th, that they would bring her home from the hospital to my sister's house mm-hmm. and let hospice take care of her. So uh, on Monday was Labor Day. Nothing gets done on, on Labor Day. But on Tuesday the 8th, hospice came to my sister's house and brought a bed and brought the oxygen and brought you know all the stuff that, that she would needs so that on Wednesday when they brought her home, she would be ready to just you know, get set right up in the bed, in the bedroom that my sister had set up for her. So 
that was all a go. And and the report that we had gotten from my sister on Tuesday, the um, I guess it was Tuesday the eighth or the day after Labor Day, was that my, actually that day mom was doing pretty well and that she was eating strawberries and that she was sitting up in bed and she was talking. My niece was there and she was talking with my niece. So, um, you know, things were actually looking pretty good for on Tuesday. Um, and then that's when the the doctor and my sister made the final decision that, yes, that she, they would take her home from the hospital on Wednesday. They wouldn't wait any longer. So Wednesday, and, and now at this time, I had talked to my sister on the phone on Sunday and I said, okay, well, things are looking, you know, okay right now to bring her home. I will plan to drive down to Tennessee on Tuesday or Wednesday. Well, I talked to my older sister who lives also in Virginia or lives in Virginia. And I, we coordinated so that I would actually pick her up in Stanton, Virginia, and she would go with me the rest of the way down to Tennessee. So, um, but we planned not to go until Wednesday the 9th. So we left at like, well, I left my house at six o'clock in the morning and got to Stanton about 8.30 in the morning. And my sister arrived and, in Stanton because we, we, we met at the Cracker Barrel restaurant, even though we did not eat there. We just met there in the parking lot. She got there just a little bit before nine and loaded her stuff into the car and we left and we stopped one time to have um, breakfast and then, or lunch. No, we had lunch. We stopped one time to have lunch and one time to get gas. And then, um, you know, according to the GPS, we were going to arrive in Knoxville in Tennessee at my sister's sister's house around 2.30, 2, 2.30, 2.40 in the afternoon. Well, um, we got there at 2.40 and... We were the last ones there. Like my, my brother and sister from Ohio were already there. Um, my sister's family, her two kids, one from um, UT, University of Tennessee, and one from Atlanta, Georgia, had come in town. So they were all there. And as my sister and I, we pulled up at 2.30. It was roughly 2.30. And as we were pulling up, we see my brother and my brother-in-law walking towards the car and so we get out of the car and the first thing my brother says is she's already passed my sister who rode with me broke down and started to cry and like fell on the street and she was just so heartbroken and so upset and she, she just couldn't stop crying i was i think i was just in, instantly in shock that that we had driven all that way and we didn't make it in time and I, I, I just couldn't understand why, why didn't we make it in time? And the ambulance was still in the driveway um, from dropping her off. And, and so he, this, is, this is what we found out that happens. So um, before we had gotten there at about 1.30, the um, transport, transport ambulance had gotten to my sister's house. They had, well, they'd already picked up my mother at the hospital and things were fine. And rode over to my, my my sister's house, and that was fine. They um, unloaded her from the ambulance and took her through the garage into the kitchen. And in the space between the kitchen and the family room is where they stopped the stretcher. Um, 
then my my brother um, stuck his face into my mom's face and said, Mom, and she said his name and was surprised. And then she asked for uh, some water. They gave her some water, and she kind of, you know, like choked on the water, swallowing a little bit, they said. And then they, my sister explained to me that... Um, my other my other sister was telling my mom, everyone's here, um, everyone's here, and she was you know naming off everyone who was here, and um, and then supposedly my mother just closed her eyes and died, that she they think she had a heart attack that and and just died literally still on the stretcher still with the ambulance people there, um, just as she had just finished taking a drink of water and talking to my sister. She just closed her eyes and, and died. And and then, so that was like at quarter till two in the afternoon. And they knew that we were about to arrive there, so they did not do anything with my mother. They they let her, they left her sitting, well, I shouldn't say they just left her sitting in the kitchen, but um, the EMTs had gotten out a heart monitor and put that on her and, and you know, determined that her heart had stopped pumping and she and she had died so um but then we arrived at like around 2 30 i said and then all of that happened and then we went inside my sister was still just totally unconsolable and just crying and sobbing and carrying on and, and i i guess i was still in shock because i wasn't crying or anything yet and um walked into the kitchen and saw the stretcher and then walked around the side of it and i saw her face and it was like when my father had died, like when, I don't know if you remember the podcast from when my father died two years ago, um, not even two, it'll be two years ago in November, but um, when he died and how the, the color in his skin completely, you know, instantly started going away and it was becoming like um, not quite ashy gray tan, like ashy skin color, but um then I couldn't, his mouth was open. I couldn't get his mouth closed. Well, my mother looked exactly the same, the same skin color. Her mouth was open. It wouldn't close. And, you know, of course she was still and a little cool to the touch. Um, so by the time that we had gotten they she had been, she had died 45 minutes before and we were, um, I guess they were waiting for us to get there so that we could say our goodbyes to our mother. Um, but I just couldn't believe it. I was just in such shock that um, I just, I couldn't believe that she had died. I mean, it's like, I was like, I didn't get here in time. I was like 30 minutes, 30, 45 minutes late. And I, and I say late because I wasn't there before she died. And I was really, really hoping to get there before she died. I mean, I actually didn't, I wasn't even thinking that she was going to die. I thought I was going to, I was going to be there for a couple days and then she would pass away. But she died before we even got there, and it was just such a devastating feeling. But, you know, as soon as I saw her and, and gave her a kiss and rubbed her head and said, you know, bye, Mom, and all of that, I instantly started to cry, and I had to walk away. And it was just, you know, I said my goodbyes. And then my, my older sister, who was inconsolable, said her goodbyes and while she was sobbing and crying the whole time. And um, and here's the weird thing, because the transport people had not transferred her to the bed, the hospice bed that was in the bedroom, and 
none of the paperwork had been signed transferring my mother to the hospice people, they had to take my mother back to the hospital and have her pronounced dead there. And I just thought that was the weirdest thing. She, she died in my sister's house, not at the hospital, but that's, that's where her um, place of death is, was going to be now for, for the uh, death certificate, and that, and that she died of congestive heart failure, just like my father, and um, at the hospital. So, um, yeah, so there's that. And then um, I just thought that was so weird that they had to take her back because the hospice people, I mean, they, they, they never made the transfer because they literally had just rolled her into the kitchen and stopped for a minute to give her something to drink and to talk with my brother and my sister, and then she died. So I just thought that was very odd that they had to take her back to the hospital. I'm telling you, the, the, the whole idea of not getting there in time, that, that the last 45 minutes of our drive, um, she was already dead. It was just so devastating. Cause I, I know you'd probably, some of you do, but maybe not everyone knows that I was very close to my mother. I went down to Tennessee a lot to visit her. We talked on the phone. Um, very close growing up. Um, so not, not being able to... Um, say goodbye and chat with her for a couple of minutes because she, because she still had her mind up to the very last second. Um, and I guess that's going to, I don't want to say haunt me, but that's going to be in my memory for a very long time that, uh, I didn't make it there in time to talk to her. But, you know, then I have to remember back that, um, back when she, the very first time she was in the hospital for a month and a half, and I, and I spent six weeks in Tennessee with her. Um, we at that time we had said, I think we were pretty much said our goodbyes and that we love each other and um, that I was going to miss her and you know all I I know we said all of those things and we've talked about all of those things and what she wanted and and so forth. So you know the the ultimate fact that I I wasn't there in time and didn't get to say goodbye in person and live, I guess, you know, I just, I'll just have to live with that. And, um, but know that I, that I, I already had my goodbyes with her and our hugs and our kisses and our, um, spending time together and stuff. So I, I guess that's not that big of a deal. Now my older sister, she, I tell you, she was just, um, inconsolable. She, the whole time we were there, because we got there on Wednesday the 9th and just came home on Sunday the 13th. Um, so we were only there four days, one, two, three, four, five days, one, two, three, four, yeah, five days, I guess. Um, she was just crying a lot and just not in a, you know, in a good mood, a happy mood. One day we went out on the boat with my um, brother-in-law and my sister and their kids, uh, rode the boat up the, uh, by the way, their boat, he, he bought this boat from Peyton Manning. I don't know if... It, I know that's like a sports person reference, and he's a he's a well known guy or whatever. But um, I don't know. He said he, he said he bought the boat from Peyton Manning. I don't know. Really, it's a really nice boat. But anyway, we rode this boat up the Tennessee River to a restaurant called Calhoun's, ate there, and then uh, rode the boat back to where they where they keep the boat. I guess I don't know. Anyway, that was one thing we did. Um, 
since she died on Wednesday, on Thursday, we went to the funeral home and made the arrangements because she's going to be cremated. We're going to accept the um, ashes and then at a later time to be determined, we haven't figured that out yet. We're going to take her ashes and sprinkle them around Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Well, we first have to figure, find out what the legalities are of that. But my mother said that she wanted to be have her ashes um, sprinkled around Rehoboth Beach because um, she loved that beach. And um, we, growing up, we went, we had, a, we rented a house there every summer for like I don't know, twelve, fifteen years, something like that when we were kids growing up. So she loved that place and that's where she wants to have her ashes sprinkled. And, you know, she had made all these changes because when she lived here in the D.C. area, she wanted to be buried, you know, have like a ceremony and uh, be in a coffin and be buried and stuff like that. And then since she moved to Tennessee, she changed and she, she had written out all of her stuff ahead of time and said, you know, I do not want any kind of service. I don't want to be buried. I want to be cremated. I want my ashes sprinkled around Rehoboth Beach. So since, you know, and I spoke to my sister about this, since we could not give my father exactly what he wanted, I I feel pretty determined that we're going to make sure we give my mother exactly what she wants. And um, so, and we've started that by already by her, her obituary being in the Washington Post with a photograph and it's outrageously expensive for that obituary in the Washington Post. It was like $800 for it. But um, that's what she wanted. And that's what she got. So we're going to, I think most of my family is in agreement that we're going to, I think actually, I think all of them are in agreement. I don't know anybody who's not. That we're going to give her exactly what she wants. So there's that. So, um you know, and the whole time we were there, we went through all of her stuff. We cleared out her um, her room at the assisted living facility, uh, moved her furniture out on Friday. Um, both Friday and Saturday, we went through all of her stuff, uh, clothing. She had a shit ton of jewelry, not like expensive jewelry, just like costume. I, I say costume jewelry, but I just mean it wasn't very expensive. Um and all through, she had a ton of old pictures. I brought home a whole bunch of pictures, um, just a whole bunch of stuff. And we determined what we were going to donate, uh, sell at a yard sale, and throw away. And then my older sister, who rode with me, um, collected and then a whole bunch of stuff to bring home to her house. And I say a whole bunch of stuff because the entire back of my SUV with the seats down was filled. All I had was my bag that I had taken with me and she had the rest of the SUV packed with stuff that she was taking home that she wanted to keep from mom's stuff so um so anyway that is the story of my mother dying and where we are I'm in a good place uh, I, I'm not crying as much as I did when my father died because we had already come to a you know good place between the two of us so um yeah, so that's the story, and um, I'll be back to you know normal podcasting next week. I'll probably have my husband on on Sunday, and this weekend coming up is uh, uh, Pride Forty Eight um, Zoom weekend, and I'm sure I'll be participating in some of those things. Although I don't didn't get any calls for 
the celebrity games or anything, but, you know, maybe they knew I was dealing with my mother. Um, anyway, so that's all I have for today. Thank you all for the kind messages on Facebook and oh, phone call. I'm going to hang up on the unknown caller. It's from Lakeland, Florida, but I know it's not Ricky. Um, anyway, um, I got distracted with the phone call. So, um, yeah, so that's all I have for today. Thank you for all the the, the uh, kind words and wishes on Facebook and on Twitter. And thank Big Fatty for his words that he spoke on his uh, podcast. I appreciate that. So um, until next time, boys and girls, that's all for now. Bye. <laughs>